We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh boy, do we have a show for you here today. It's so much show. You may be... (laughs) I'm going to shut up. Um, Good day yesterday. S&P 500 was up 1%. Dow was up almost 1%. NASDAQ was up 1.25%. 10-year Treasury is playing with 1.55%, which is – it's good that we're holding up in that area. As the 10-year Treasury creeps to 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, the market's going to face headwinds because the market is tech-heavy right now. And tech doesn't necessarily do well in an inflationary environment. Stocks bounce back. Facebook recovered some of its losses after its worst trading day this year. Some interesting data yesterday. U.S. services sector gained in September for its 16th straight month. 16 straight months services. There's two. There's manufacturing and there's services, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Services are a much bigger part of our economy. U.S. trade deficit grew to a record $73.3 billion in August. What goes out versus what comes in? An extra $73.3 billion in goods came in. Bitcoin topped 50000 for the first time in a long time, 51515 Francis Hogan goes face to Facebook with Congress. George R R R R R R R R R R R Martin. If he were a seal, that's what his name would be. You'll laugh later. He's written many, 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 many big books, and Francis Hogan released many, 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 many big books of information on Facebook to the SEC and to the Wall Street Journal. She challenged the platform Silicon Throne in Senate testimony yesterday. And it was pretty darn brutal. And by the end of the day, we learned that Facebook knowingly haunts teens via its algorithm. Knowingly, she put the blame square on King's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg's shoulders. Saying that it's an organization that it is metrics driven. Metrics make the decisions. Unfortunately, that itself is a decision. That she's pointed to Mark on. She wants Facebook to start sharing more internal data with outsiders. They're operating inside of shadows right now. She su- suggested that Congress rework Section 230, which is a part of the Communications Decency Act that protects platforms from being legally liable for what their users post. 
Facebook, they said we disagreed with her characterization of the topics. It's going to get uglier than this. There's a great survey from teenagers that was released yesterday. iPhone ownership for teenagers is at 87%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Snapchat is the top social network at 35%, followed by TikTok at 30%. 22% of teenagers have heard of non-fungible tokens. 10% of those who've heard of them have purchased one. 10%? Whoa. Nike is still the top teen brand, holding its spot for 11th straight year. Who is the favorite celebrity? Of teenagers. It's Adam Sandler. And Ryan Reynolds. Who would have thought that Adam Sandler. Old man Adam Sandler. Still had play with uh, teenagers. But he does. Hubie Halloween is right around the block. If you haven't watched it. <laughs> oh no advice. Crocs are on the rise. They're the teen's six most preferred footwear brand up from ninth last year. 54% of teenagers say they consider the carbon footprint when making a purchase. The most important social political issue is the environment followed by racial equality. So if you don't want to know where America is going, look at those people because they're the ones who purchase everything. They're the spenders of our economy. Melbourne, Australia, second largest city in Australia. Has been in lockdown now for 247 days since March 2020. Roughly 45% of the duration of the panic. It recently passed Buenos Aires as the city that spent the most cumulative time at stay-at-home type of orders. It's locking down again. It's going to lift once at least 80% of adults in the state of Victoria are fully vaccinated. They are the opposite of the United States. They've stayed in. They've protected. They haven't died off. And once they say 80% of you get shots, then we're going to open back up. Huh. I kind of like that. It's an interesting, again, the studies that we're going to have out of this for the next 10, 15 years. Something's, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's move on to some of the headlines today. Tesla was ordered by a federal jury to pay a former employee $137 million over accusations that Tesla ignored racist abuse that a black employee suffered while working at Tesla. That is a big, big amount of money. $137 million for basically a black employee. Got ex- he, he probably from what I was able to incite from the story yesterday. Probably got called the N-word. Probably saw some uh, graffiti. Number Manhattan apartments sold. Hit a 32-year high in the third quarter. New York is not dead. Donald Trump didn't make the Forbes 400 list of uh, America's richest people for the first time in 25 years. During his time in office, the stock market went bonanzas on the upside. Interesting, right? He's heavy into real estate. Some more things that we need to know today before we get kicking. 
Tesla. Now nah, it's dropped Tesla. They've had a really good quarter as far as deliveries go. Amazon wants to sell you a smart refrigerator. Amazon said yesterday that they're working on a refrigerator that can scan for items you're about to run out of, then make a refill order and have them delivered. Doesn't change my life that much. I don't very often run out of milk and go, oh, if I only had milk, I could have cereal. If I only had cereal, I'd be the happiest man on the planet. Stripe reported enormous jump in revenues. It's a payments giant. It recorded $1.4 billion outside the United States. FinTech is in. Apple's push to reinvent healthcare is crumbling. Employees from their healthcare organization said that its attempt to make health its greatest contribution to mankind has been marred by leaders who misled executives and punished workers who expressed concerns. So it's interesting. Google has given up on the banking push that they had. They wanted to be a uh, they wanted to be a bank to you because a lot of Google's uh, uh, business deals are with banks. And now Apple's having problems with healthcare. Huh. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Let's talk about the obvious in the room. Rent. Rent prices are inflating. You know, we talk about inflation right now and how the Federal Reserve is watching it. In 2019, rents didn't move up year over year. In 2020, they moved up 1%. Since March of 2020, rents on a median one-bedroom have gone up 10.7%. Two bedrooms have gone up 13.1%. To have double-digit growth over the course of a year in inflationary things that we spend money on is shocking because we allocate X amount of dollars to rent. We allocate X amount of dollars to our mortgage. We allocate X amount of dollars. We're very percentage-driven. The spike is particularly alarming when you compare it to previous years, like I said. 1% up in 2020. Flat in 2019. It's apparent in cities like New York and Miami. But it's also apparent in cities like Scottsdale, Arizona. Phoenix area, seen a population boom over the last decade. Local housing market's on fire. As that has happened, uh, the median price of a one-bedroom home is $1,850 for uh, a rental. It's the 10th most expensive city to rent in the country. What I like saying about cities that are in the desert, I go like this, and it's in the desert. <laughs> like when I see home prices in Las Vegas move higher or rental prices move higher, I'm like, and it's in the desert. Um, Why do I say that? Because when you look around in a desert, all you see is land, land, land. So you see the guy on his hands and knees crawling to try to find water, water. 
and it's in the desert. So he keeps crawling and crawling and crawling, right? There's nothing but land and deserts. So you can't say, I get New York rents. I get it. I get San Francisco rents. San Francisco, I think, is a city seven miles by seven miles, essentially. It's tiny. Rent prices in New York City dropped 15.5%. In Manhattan and Brooklyn, um, down 8.6%. But now that's starting to turn around. New York surpassed San Francisco as the nation's most expensive rental market. Influx of millennials. Well, millennials are moving to new cities. Generation Zs are moving out of their parents' house into the cities. Boomers are selling their homes and downsizing to rentals. And their boomers are doing a lot of times in the big cities as kind of a way to drop the car so they can just walk to get their groceries. Very interesting stuff. Other things to consider. <clears throat> Home ownership is becoming more unaffordable. So rent prices are expected to continue to move higher. And just remember, if you missed a show a couple weeks ago, home prices surged 16.9% in May, 16 .9 in May, but up 18.7% in August. So it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Here's a question for you. How prepared is your teenager for life with money? Charles Schwab has employee volunteers that go out to high schools and teach kids about money, a curriculum about how to be financially savvy as they grow into adulthood. I tip my hat to Charles Schwab. In this case, it's Carrie Schwab, president of the Charles Schwab Foundation. Less than 10% of students in low-income schools have guaranteed access to financial education. One of the things I, I guess I'm proud of is that I've, through the years, I've gotten multiple sets of emails from listeners who heard the show and realized I need to take care of this myself. And they gave up on the financial institutions and they gave up on their bosses and they, they started their own 401k, their own 403b. They, they took their own initiative. Heck, the guy who's running my board right now, he's like, uh, I didn't know this was such a big thing until you, you came along. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, the education component of it. Um, it's not that hard. I don't remember. I think I do remember. For me... I turn on the financial voodoo and trying to understand the magical world of money probably around 16, 17, 18, as I knew that I wanted to get away from my dad and be financially independent. I didn't know what that meant. I certainly didn't know much about checking accounts. I certainly didn't know anything about the stock market, but something magical went off in my head. And I'm like, this is my, this is the, this is what I need to do to educate myself on. And I'll be honest with you, I watched baseball last night, and I can tell you before I was 18 years old, I could have told you every player on the field. I probably would have been a uh, fantasy baseball dominant stat guy. 
Did you watch some? Did you watch any baseball last night? ESPN has two broadcasts of the game now. They have the broadcast with the the Glossals. Oh, gee, Buck. Oh, that was a heck of a play there. But they also have another broadcast now, and they're doing this with Monday Night Football too. One of one's the regular old school announcers, but now one in baseball is Statcast, and they show you these cool graphics of. This year in baseball, he hit the majority of his home runs on curveballs down in the lower part of the zone, and they show you a heat zone of where the balls he hit that went for home runs, and you're like, whoa. So he never hits it high, so don't throw the pitch high. Oh, guess what the Yankees did? They threw the pitch high. The guy clobbered it. But he had never done that all season long, and he clobbered it. It was fascinating for me because I really don't care about stuff like that. And to be exposed to it, I was a little bit overwhelmed, if that makes any sense. I was like, oh, look at the pretty graphics. Somewhere around 16, 17, 18, I would have like loved stuff. I would have feasted on that type of broadcast. But once I turned on the I need to understand financial issues to become financially independent, I think that's why I did this. Sometimes I tell the story about how I was uh, coming out of college as a writer and I didn't know what to do with the money, but I think it goes even one step before that, before college. I wanted to be financially independent. And when I learned you can't really do that as a writer until your mid-30s, that you're always constantly hustling for projects. And in fact, as a writer, you don't even need to be successful until you're 50. That's the beautiful thing about that. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Do you like the hustle and grind? Or do you like to have a financial plan? I want a financial plan. It slows things down for me. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I work with financial planners. You can find me at EP Wealth. To find me and contact me through robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. RobBlackShow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. It's time. Patrick O'Hare. Mr. O'Hare is with Briefing.com. What is your technical title? Chief strategist or? Hey, Rob. Uh, Chief market analyst. Chief market. Okay. I'm not a big titles kind of guy. So um, my first stockbroker I ever met, he said he was vice president at like um, Citibank. And I'm like, vice president? I was like, ooh, fancy. But chief market analyst is great. Mr. O'Hare at briefing.com. I've started my business day with you for many, many, many years. Uh, you talk about the markets, and today you have a great title for your page one column, which is the start of the day. Market has a hill to climb this hump day. Um, welcome. Happy hump day, I guess, supposedly, right? But more importantly, how's, how's the market doing right now with the story of inflation as the backdrop? Uh, well, good morning, Rob. Yeah, so the market, uh, you know, from day to day, just uh, you kind of almost don't know what you're going to get. You get up 1%, down 1%, but I think it's indicative of a market that's trying to uh, come to grips with, a, you know, with a changing reality as it relates to the inflation outlook and the trajectory of interest rates and the trajectory of earnings prospects. Um, it, 
you know, wants to cling to uh, a knowingness that, you know, things aren't, aren't, aren't terrible, um, but they're, you know, coming off the boil, so to speak, and kind of have to take a step back to see just how far, you know, and how much things might slow relative to, to prior expectations and whether the uh, valuations that you, you see uh, existing today are, are, um, are warranted. And so I think that that's really what's taking place right now. And, and so, uh, you know, just the sense that the easy money has been made, if you will, uh, and that the months ahead and 2022, for that matter, are are going to be probably a tougher climb. That's not to say the stock market has to fall apart. It's just that the, the returns might be uh, of a more modest uh, level uh, because we're now sort of shifting into a into a new dimension as it relates to the interest rate outlook. So it's becoming more real. Yeah, I mean, it's right. So, you know, you have the kind of like the, the, the fantastical, the fanciful uh, period of, of monetary and fiscal largesse, which, you know, helped save the day in, in a number of respects. Uh, and now we're transitioning away from that um, uh, that aggressive stimulus effort. And the market does have to get back, you know, like the rest of us do, to life as normal. And, uh, and that transition back to normal uh, for a market that's just come become so reliant on, uh, you know, zero interest rates, uh, very low market rates, and uh, just resounding earnings growth coming out of a really depressed period uh, does have to get real and, and recognize that, you know, things are going to be uh, not as fantastical and fanciful as they have been over the last year. Um, and, and that's, you know, that is creating a little bit of a, a hesitation trade here. I saw the minimum wage for Bank of America employees is jumping to $21. And I started thinking back when I was 16, 17, 18, getting that job as a bank teller kind of thing. This is $4 and a quarter. That's a lot of wage inflation in the last couple of years. We've seen it really, really spike, not across the United States, but some, in some industries. Are there industries that are better prepared right now for the next leg of the economy? Factoring in labor, factoring in demand, factoring in everything that you as a market analyst would look at. Um, are there some industries that you, you think we should be uh, that that should hold up better than others? Well, it's it's a uh, tough question to answer because okay. every industry is is facing a new kind of reality here in terms of what the you know what the work situation is going to be like, whether it's a hybrid model. Um, you know, or everyone back in person, um, you know, will we see the labor force participation rate pick up again uh, as, you know, we see concerns about COVID, you know, lessen. Uh, and if that's the case and you have more labor supply, maybe the wage inflation you're starting to see more of now, perhaps that abates some. You know, uh, I did see, I saw that same headline on Bank of America, but, you know, and conversely, I read a report, um, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, Alphabet was basically, you know, flirting with, you know, uh, lowering the wages for for remote workers. You know, people who have decided to relocate from more expensive areas to uh, to less expensive areas. Um, so it's a it's a I guess you could say the you know the uh, the, the ability of any given industry to deal with these um, 
labor cost issues. Uh, a lot will depend on the supply of labor um, and and also just specific corporate decisions. So, sorry, it's a long-winded answer. I don't know if I, I don't have a really good specific answer as to what industry is, you know, better insulated than the other. Perhaps maybe you look somewhere within like, you know, software or the technology space where, you know, we're, uh, well, at least on the software side anyway, where supply chain factors are not as, as you know, prevalent. Um, so, um, but, uh, you know, we'll see soon enough, obviously, in the earnings reports that come out in coming quarters. You highlighted in your page one column today that Goldman Sachs has expressed a cautious near-term outlook for the airline, citing higher fuel cost, weakness in late summer travel uh, due to the Delta variant. Um, I started seeing some stories yesterday that it looks like first quarter, you know, March, April, May of 2022 is when the, the flu should be less of a conversation for us. It's been a long time, hasn't it? What, since we focused on the flu? <laughs> since since we focused right. not on the flu, right? Right, right. So, yeah, that's um, – and are you, are you saying uh, – are you asking just in terms of, you know, what that could mean for the airlines or, or – um, maybe, maybe more back to normal because yeah. at one point in time, the way I set it up on the show was 2019 normal, 2020 COVID, 2021 recovery, 2022 normal – now I'm starting to say more like 2023 normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can even kind of you know extend that, Rob. Not not by year, but just in terms of the argument that when you talk when we hear about uh, semiconductor shortages, right? Uh, earlier in the week, the CEO of Marvell Technology was you know hinting at the idea that you know this the the semiconductor shortage could persist all the way through 2022 and and carry over into 2023. Um, so that's uh, you know, um, there's just a lot to unpack, obviously, as it relates to uh, production quality, production um, output, um, because, mm -hmm. you know, we're not, as everyone's well aware, you know, the sources of production are, <laughs> many of them are, are not in the United States. And you have some more stricter COVID approaches in other areas that are, uh, you know, impacting staffing levels at manufacturing facilities there that, you know, you just, create this, this ripple effect right on down, not just from the source of production, but from the source of transportation and then the source of distribution uh, once that a product gets to uh, U.S. ports. And so um, that's why, you know, uh, you're hearing more about inflation staying persistently high. Um, maybe you see things moderate in terms of in inflation, but that doesn't necessarily mean things come back down significantly from the high levels at which we currently see prices. And so, that will continue to be a disruptive element as it relates to what it could possibly mean for monetary policy. And, you know, I've noted before that if the market starts to think to itself that the Fed's going to have to be uh, a little bit more uh, hasty, if you will, in terms of its tapering plan and, uh, and bringing forward rate hikes, then, you know, you can see some of that nervous energy settle into the market. And it's probably one of the underpinning underlying factors right now that, again, as we talk about the return to normal and sort of what's going on right now as far as the day-to-day -day volatility is not knowing exactly kind of, you know, uh, not having a good feel anyway for, for the, you know, uh, what what the future is going to bring. Not that any of us has a 100% feel for that anyway, but it's just the idea that uh, 
you can see on the horizon that, that things should be changing. And it's just a matter of how quickly they change to disrupt uh, what has been an otherwise very um, supportive interest rate backdrop and earnings backdrop. We've got less than a minute. So real quick, what are you working on that we need to know about? Mm-hmm. Well, probably, you know, going to be looking, we have the employment report for September out on Friday. I'm waiting on that, like the rest of the market and just, uh, and, and how that's going to potentially impact uh, the move to a taper decision and, and perhaps more than that. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him online at briefing.com. He starts my day every day with an article that he publishes called page one, but briefing has so much more than that. They've got information on bonds. They've got live headlines, market summaries, market updates, news feeds, special reports. They look at momentum stocks. They look at technical stocks. Technical um, stock picking is not my thing. I don't have to look at a chart and I don't like it. Just as it's not me. I like the story behind stocks. There's information on the ETFs and much, much more. You can find them at briefing.com. It's briefing.com, a reliable source of national, domestic, and international news. I'm Rob Black. Um, Taking one more thing from briefing.com this morning. There was a little chatter on the jobs. Um, Private sectors, payrolls increased by 568,000 in September. But they downwardly revised numbers for August from 374,000 to 340,000. So sometimes data needs to really be, uh, how shall we say, massaged over a one to three month period. Um, and looked at more in a long-term trend, uh, or even a short-term trend is fine, but um, you got to look at the data. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Bank of America is raising its U.S. minimum hourly wage to $21 an hour. But if you go to a bank, you'll also see a lot more robots. They may be upping their minimum wage $21 an hour. There's just not as many associates as there used to be. And I think that trend continues. Um, Way back when I was 16, 17 and having little weekend jobs and after school jobs, I'd get a paycheck and it was literally a check and there wasn't direct deposit yet. Back when I was a kid, we didn't have direct deposit and I'd take the the check to the bank and I'd always try to find the line with the cutest girl. That was kind of my way of like talking to a pretty girl that day. Um, so I know you know that and I know they know that, but I like admitting it out loud. I didn't have a lot of game. I didn't really know what I was doing. So Bank of America now, I would be intimidated because I'd be dropping off my teeny tiny little scooping ice cream job. Or sometimes when you wait tables, and back then waiting tables, waiters, the federal minimum wage for waiters was like $2 and a penny. So you work five hours and you have a big whopping $10 paycheck. You made a lot of money in tips, but they didn't know that. Bank of America disclosed plans to raise its minimum wage for its employees, joining a clutch of firms that have pledged to pay employees more 
after a year of pandemic risk and government subsidies fueled conversations on whether companies were paying workers enough. So that's one of the things we learned in the pandemic that we've got a lot of jobs out there that not giving people enough money to want to go back to and to stay away from it. Now Bank of America and your local restaurant are competing for talent. Which would you rather do? Um, work at a breakfast restaurant? Get all greasy from making bacon in the morning? For $10 an hour? $15 an hour after tips? Or would you rather work at a bank and make $21 an hour? Walmart, Starbucks, Amazon, CVS Health, they've all raised or are planning to raise uh, wages. It's funny, I was going to say rates. No, that's not the word. I couldn't come up with the word wages in my head. Los Angeles is setting themselves up to enact strict vaccination mandates. Los Angeles leaders, they're poised to enact one of the nation's strictest vaccine mandates, a sweeping measure that would require the shots for everyone entering a bar, restaurant, nail salon, gym, or even a Lakers game. Business trade groups have said this will make things confusing. Um, we just got to get out of this vaccination conversation. The point that I was trying to make with my previous guest was like, that I'd really like to talk non-COVID, non-Delta, and non-death numbers. I'd really like to get there. More people have died this year, 2021, of COVID than 2019, uh, 2020. So, and we thought we were going to be done going to the fall, going into Christmas and Thanksgiving last year, but that's when it started to explode. <clears throat> so, um, Los Angeles has started to require more vaccinations. Rules are being put in place following New York City. A growing number of places across the United States, San Francisco, requiring people to show proof of vaccination to enter various types of businesses. I went to a giant San Francisco Giants game a couple weeks ago and went into a bar across the street, Momos, world famous. And um, the guy stopped me outside. He's like, I need to see your vaccination proof. I'm like, oh, I probably have my card. I have a picture of it. Let me grab out my phone. And he said, oh, no, there's a website you can go to. You're gonna, you're gonna, they're going to text you a four-digit code, and it'll show if you got it or not. I'm like, really? Really? It's quite interesting. It's quite nice. Um, and easy and super convenient. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Betterment is a assets under management play. They are a fintech play. They make it super easy to get online and plan your retirement. Robinhood makes it super easy to get online and buy stocks. Think of Betterment as more of a bigger picture kind of thing. I work with Certified financial planners at EP Wealth. Betterment doesn't really cater to the level of service or client. They're going after the, the younger person who's got $100 to invest. Number of new robo-advisor account holders in the United States grew by 37% in 2020. Betterment has added over a billion dollars in new client deposits to its sustainable investing option or Betterment for Business. A 401k option for small businesses posted 370% growth. I like seeing stories like this. In large part, I like the app Acorns. 
Acorns is an interesting service that allows you to round up your investments that you make with uh, your credit cards and kind of bundles the extra 50 cents from $2.50 makes it three. From three seventy five, it makes a purchase of four. So it takes that extra 50 cents and 25 cents and invest it for you. I love seeing stories like this of people slowly figuring out how to get into investing. So I'm not pulling against Betterment. The only negative that I'll say is you're going to need fancier sooner than later. But some of these simple ways to get involved aren't bad. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show.